Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Testing one. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing this morning? <clears throat> now, this is sort of where we're going for a few minutes this morning. I know we've been in the book of John um, a long time, but you can, I mean, you can preach the book of John. You can preach any passage in the Bible. Um, but we're sort of diverting um, and going through some great stuff as we get into VBS, a great series in August with Dr. Bucci. Um, just several things that we're setting up as we enter in. Can you believe September's right around the corner? Just wanted to make sure you understood that. Um, <clears throat> so I, I want to just talk today for a few minutes. A powerful nugget God has dropped into my spirit a few weeks ago. Um, and just talk a little bit about why we're here. Why are we here as Grace River? Why are you here? Tyler, good to see you, buddy. Why are we here? It's not a mistake. As a matter of fact, if you're visiting for the very first time, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is you're in a good place. And the better news is that there's no bad news. You're where you need to be this morning. So why are we here? Um, several years ago, as God planted us here, I believe God does things very intentionally. God never makes mistakes. But as Grace River, our mission, our vision, it's just all wrapped up about seeing generations, not just the young, not just the elderly, but every generation experiencing the transforming power of God. God still transforms lives. There's transformation power in every area of people's lives. And as we look into his word, there's several passages that help us stay focused on that. Romans chapter 12, I'm just jumping right into this. Romans chapter 12 tells us, and coming out of the first uh, 11 chapters of Romans, you see Paul is setting them up on this powerful thing God has done for them and in them through Jesus Christ. He says, so... I appeal to you, therefore, now that therefore always means because of everything I've been saying, of all the things I've been saying up till now, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by the testing. You may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I'm not going to stop and preach on every one of these passages, but listen, <laughs> a couple of very quick points here. Do not be conformed to this world. We get that. But be transformed. There's a process of transformation. I wish I could tell you what happened at one moment. Now, there are some things. Has anybody experienced something they really were trying to overcome and like just something happened in just one second and they had no more appetite for it? 
had no, it never was a temptation ever again. Don't you wish transformation happened like that? You know, Lord, just go ahead and transform everything. That's called a resurrection. All right, that's when that, that's when that happens. But until then, there may be some things in your life that change right there. But I found that what God wants us to do is let transformation come by the renewing of our mind. Um, that, that's a, a learning, a rethinking, a restructuring, a relearning of things that by testing you may discern. Um, that means you're going to go through stuff. Okay? You're going to go through stuff. But that's how you learn what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect. 2 Corinthians 3 says, starting at verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit. Will you just repeat that after me? The Lord is the Spirit. Let's say it one more time because I can only hear three of you. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. And again, what this is saying very quickly, <coughs> in the Old Testament, when anyone was in the presence of the Lord, their faces were veiled. Moses was a prime example after he had been in the presence of the Lord. His face was veiled when he would go into the presence of the Lord. He had to cover himself because the glory would just shine. Now here's, here's what I'm saying is now Paul is saying, now we go there unveiled. Why? Because he wants people to see that transformation. From glory to glory, being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Colossians 1, 25 and 29. Now Paul speaks the same flavor to the Ephesians, but I love this, what he says to the Colossians. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, the hope of glory is Christ in you. You don't know what I'm going through. That's, that's true. We don't. And we'll talk about being the body in just a moment. We need to learn. Because how many will, you don't have to raise your hands on this, we're all going through something. Um, if you are a lady out there and you're married to a man, you're going through something. And I get an amen, and all the men went, oh, brother, here we go. We're all going through something, hello? But he says, to them who chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mercies, which is Christ in you. See, the difference between us and a world with no hope is Christ in us. So what do we do? It's him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. 
That means there's a growth process. That means we're all growing. That means we're all developing. That means we don't need to look at each other and judge each other. We, we need to understand that some of us aren't where we need to be yet, but we're getting there. Some of us, uh, and we hold each other accountable, but we're all growing. We're moving forward. I love John Maxwell, and I, if you're in business, you probably uh, have read all of his material and maybe are sick of John Maxwell. I'm not sure. But there's one book he wrote several years ago called Failing Forward. You know, it's never really an issue in your life if you're ever going to fail again. And I'm not talking about sin. Um, you may make a mistake there. But I'm talking about trying something and not doing well. Uh, one of the classic discussions I have, especially with college students, is they, they come to me with a 93, and they're upset because they've never had anything under a 95. And my response is, well, it's about time. Um, not, not that you're trying to fail anyone, but did I mention it was a 93? You know, so can you imagine how they would have felt when they get their first C? Suicidal. Now, I'm saying that very sarcastically because we can live the same way if we're not careful. And failing to us is not an option, so we make everything, we change the definition of success on everything so we can get 100 on everything. Rather than saying, wait a minute, God's got a standard. I don't measure up at all. So as I follow Christ, as he is in me, the hope of glory, I'm saved by his grace. I'm following after him. I'm never going to measure up. That's why I need his righteousness. So now as I'm following after him, if I make a mistake, don't change the definition. Just make sure you're falling forward. If I fall down, it's going to be following Christ. And I'm going to be falling in his direction. <laughs> now, please, this is good. You're just not acting like it. It's, it's the same principle in football. I can remember playing football, and whenever you're running the ball, if you ever got tackled, if I ever got tackled and I was not at least pushing toward the, set, the goal line, the coach would chew you out. Because if you're going to go down, you better go down going forward. Now, I'm not hoping for failure, by the way. It's just it's an attitude that we have to build up. You know, why, and I'm just laying the foundation for why we're here. This will make sense in a minute. Why are we here? Why is Grace River here? Well, it's to see every generation experience transformation. But what does that look like when it begins to happen? I believe when we're going to be doing this series again this year, is we begin, people uh, begin to get saved. They give their lives to Christ. We see people's lives begin to be healed. Uh, whether it's physical healings, emotional healings, relation, healings come in all shapes and sizes. But whether it's people's lives are healed, whether it's people being set free from things, I believe we're going to see it. I believe we have see it, seen it, but that's why we're here. I believe we're going to see people discipled. Now, that should be a, a prime, um, obvious description because the Word of God tells us, go and make disciples. But if there's one thing I learned about a lot of churches is we know how to create um, crowds and call it discipleship. 
We know how to convince people that if they'll attend something, they're being discipled. Take a class, take the discipleship class, and you've been discipled. Now, are all those things important? Sure. But anybody ever take a test, and then when you finally finish that class, you were like, glad that's over. I took the class. I'm a disciple. Well, if there's no life change, if we're not, if we're not following, what is a disciple? Follower. There's not a follower class. It's a follower lifestyle. And so we want to see people following Christ. We want to see people equipped. We want to see people empowered by the Holy Spirit and people serving. Uh, when <laughs> Pastor Nick <coughs> excuse me, mentioned this, um, not, this not yesterday, but the Saturday before, Reach, and I know Ulyssa's um, streaming in from the cafe, uh, but Ulyssa and the Reach team and many of us went out and picked up garbage. Now, jokingly, for several weeks before, because if you're driving down Lynn Haven at, what's the speed limit? Okay, 35. So if you're driving down Lynn Haven at, at whatever speed you drive down Lynn Haven, everything looks clean. But do you know that when we all went out and walked Lynn Haven, we brought back bags of garbage. Why? Because there's something about slowing down. You're able to see things. Can I tell you that's what COVID did? COVID, to a great extent, <clears throat> I'll speak for myself. COVID brought me from 75 to zero. brought me from literally where we were in that year. I got off a plane mentally thinking, all right, we got, we got five weeks, six weeks to Easter. We got a boom, 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 boom. So I'm already in 75. No. Everything stopped. Within just a few weeks, no services, right? I know you're familiar with all this. You're trying to get this in your rearview mirror as quick as you can. But here's the reality. You know, when life shuts down and life stops, and many of us are just sitting at the house, after a couple days, you start seeing stuff you forgot were there. After a few weeks, you start seeing things in relationships you didn't know existed. A after a few months, you start carrying a gun. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, people are getting on your nerves, right? Okay, that was a bad analogy. I'm sorry. People getting on your nerves. But here's, here's the worst part. The reason people get on your nerves is because you see the stuff in yourself and you know you don't like it. You just don't know what to do with it. And so God started showing me, listen, man. And then everybody's talking about getting back to normal. And the Lord was saying, do you really want to get back to that? Do you want to get back to that? Because wouldn't you want to walk free? Wouldn't you want to be in a situation where there was freedom? Wouldn't you want to be in a situation where you were following after Christ, not an agenda? And so as we have been coming out of COVID, it really has been redefining what all that's going to look like. Because it cannot be business as usual. 
It really does have to be a pace of life. I'm not even preaching on the Sabbath this morning, but I, I know, I know, I know the reason it's so important to take a Sabbath is because we do get busy during the week, and if you don't stop long enough to realize there's junk and get some rest and get things cleaned up, you'll keep running. And we have the capacity to do that. Give me an amen. So we slow down, we realize whether it's the brokenness, the sin, the things that we have out of alignment, we work hard at getting all those things in place. But as I've been meeting with the team, I've, we've been very um, intentional about not just getting busy, but being effective. That's why, for instance, we're not trying to start a lot of programs and hoping people show up. We're doing VBS, and, and we were very intentional about doing VBS like we're doing it this year because in the past, anytime we did VBS, we would have this many volunteers just about putting together VBS. Many of you have been involved in some of those in the past. It's, it's incredible. It really is. It's like a small Disney World for a week <laughs> with no turkey legs but a, a large Disney World. So what am I saying? I knew that people were not ready to come back and get in that norm of just spending themselves but not knowing why with all the fear and COVID. But here's what we are going to do. We're going to continue to reach children. So, so we're setting things up a little differently. Now, now, what does that mean? Where's our trust? Am I making any sense? <clears throat> in 2016... <laughs> Excuse me. In 2016, there was a gentleman by the name of David Brown. His assistant, Jerome Avery, um, helped him. David Brown is 100% blind. And guys, if you go ahead and get that, get that ready. David uh, Brown is 100% blind. In 2016, he ran in the Paralympics. He's actually running in the Paralympics this year. But he's totally blind. And as he was running, and we're going to look at this clip, because what I want you to see is that there's these two men, they tie themselves together. And he's blind, but he's running as fast as he can. Let's just watch this, and I want you just to let this sink in before we continue the rest of the service.
Okay, that's a good place to end. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Um, first of all, if you may not even get the jest of what just happened there, that was pretty incredible. But the application is even more powerful. Um, when that young man takes off from the blocks, totally blind, he's able to run as fast as he can because he trusts that man next to him. Now, I almost brought rope this morning to try to get all of us to go out in this parking lot and see if we could have someone who was willing to trust someone to run through the parking lot without hitting a car. But I'll guarantee you, most of us in this room don't know who to pick. Because they may not run as fast as we do. And I'm, talking about, and I'm not talking about walking around the cars. I'm, running as, I'm talking about running as fast as you can through the parking lot. Well, first of all, that doesn't happen overnight. That trust does not happen overnight. That trust happens over a period of many, many workouts. But, but here's what is not happening either. You'll find, and I've, you know, Google, Google this later, please. Don't look at it now. Uh, trust me now, Google later. <laughs> um, David doesn't do a lot of talking to him while they're running. He runs. Jerome is constantly talking to him. As a matter of fact, when they get closer to the, to the finish line, he'll start telling them. Because see, in reality, Jerome is already a world-class sprinter. His assistant is a world-class sprinter. But several years ago, he didn't make the final Olympic trials that he was going for. And he's up in age, according to the sprinters now. But he can still run... 11.2, yeah. So here's what I'm saying. That's world-class speed, right? Here's, and I'm just setting this up. He, he has to listen to Jerome because Jerome could beat him hands down because Jerome can see. And Jerome's got the speed. It's not about David has tried to help Jerome Jerome is trying to help David. It's, it's David's of willingness to submit to Jerome and being tied to him and listen closely to every word. Because the closer they get to a, the finish line, he'll start th saying things like, bear down, bear down, bear down, which means give it everything you've got. He's even had to say it sometimes, because you can't be running at full speed and, like, pull somebody and then get the hint. All of you are going to have to try this, I know. You can't just be running full speed and, and then just gently tug somebody's hand and then say, oh, I must need to go left here. No. His, his Jerome, his Holy Spirit is saying left. Back in the lane, left lane, left lane. That means just start, just, just turn just a little bit. He has to listen, but now don't, I don't want you to misunderstand this. It's not about the luck of one race. It's about the race through relationship. They have a relationship that's so close that even in a 100-yard dash, a whisper is understood. Now, how does that apply to us? Hebrews 11 says this. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, we know the Hebrew writer there is simply saying, there are many things you have not seen. We have not physically seen God. We see attributes of God. We see creation. We know that we can see God in things because we see his majesty. We see his ability. We see God in each other. But no man has seen God. So we walk by faith of something we've not seen. But, but there's something out there that we're pressing toward. It doesn't mean that our faith is blind, because there can be blind faith, but that's not the faith I'm talking about. Blind faith is just, let's jump out there and see what happens. That's when you run into a pole. Um, I was going through a hazing when I was in college. We, they still did a lot of hazing in Greek clubs, letter clubs. <laughs> and we were out in a field, a desolate field, and they just had us blindfolded, running around following voices. And I was following voices right into the side of a truck. Now, I wasn't hurt. I'm not sure about the truck, but I was fine. What I do know is um, they were just trying to haze me. I'm pretty sure they were trying to run me into a truck. On the flip side, the Holy Spirit's not here to destroy you. What is the Holy Spirit here to do? Because this faith that we're talking about is a trust. We walk by faith, not by sight, Paul tells us. Hebrews 11.6 goes on to say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Right? So if, if faith is the substance of things hoped for, I hope I can run this race. And the evidence of things not seen, I can't see where I'm going necessarily. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what happens tomorrow. I don't know what happens next week. All I know is I'm following Jesus. Now, this is easy to preach. And a very, you know, it's easy to talk about a 100-yard dash, 100-meter. Running is a different thing. I, I want to encourage you, and I've got three simple points very quickly. Because with this kind of faith that I'm talking about, it demands trust, not a blind trust. Let me read you this definition of trust that I found, and it's not, you don't have to find it, it's there. Trust is the acceptance of a truth of something without the evidence. So if I trust what you say, I may not see it, but I trust you. If, if I trust where you're leading me, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I'm walking behind you. I'm going with you. When my daughter was very young, <laughs> I believe she was maybe five, we were playing a little game in the living room, and, and Diane was sitting on the couch on the other side of the living room, and I was on my knees by Adrian, and we had her blindfolded, and Diane was just saying, come to me, come to my voice, come here, sweetheart. And I was just right behind her going, Turn left, turn left, don't go, don't listen. I was trying, we were trying to be distracted. I was trying to distract her from listening to her. And we were just playing a game. But what we were teaching her is don't listen to the voices that don't lead you to that voice. 
See, there, there's a way that we have to understand that we're not talking about a blind faith here. We already know what is, we already know that we don't know what the future holds. That's why we so desperately try to plan for it. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We, we think we do. But listen, tomorrow has a lot of surprises for some of us. Where's your trust? So what do we have to do? What am, what am I talking about this morning? Well, first of all, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. In this series that we've been in in John, here's a few ways that John has described the Holy Spirit to us. John 14 talks about him as a helper, a comforter, a teacher. And the word Holy Spirit in the original wording is parakletos, which means one who comes alongside. Now let that sink in for a second. Um, can I tell you that there's been a really misinterpretation of why Jesus goes to the Father and the Father sends the Holy Spirit, and even in the book of Acts when he says it's imperative that I go because when I go you will receive power, and after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Somehow if we're not careful we get that turned around to thinking I'm full of the Holy Spirit. Now look at what I can do. It becomes about me. My greatness, my ministry, my gifts, my power, what I can do. And for the first thing is, it's not about you. It's not about me. There are hard lessons that God has awaiting you for you to really get to understand that. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll just be brutally honest with you. Humble yourself before the sight of the Lord. If you can learn to humble yourself, he will lift you up. Humble yourself. So trusting the Holy Spirit means that, that God has promised to fill us, but in that filling us with power, it's not about us. It's so he can use us. So he's that paracletos. He comes alongside. Now, in, in a very different way this morning, I just want you to work with me on this. I'm not trying to change the theology, but I want you to, in your mind, picture yourself saying, here I am. I submit myself to you, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and tie yourself to him. And say, whatever the training is, because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm going to listen to your voice. I, you know, right now my world's turned upside down, but I'm going to listen to your voice. I, I don't know what my kids are going to turn out like, but I'm going to listen to your voice. I don't know. <clears throat> Am I rambling yet? Am I getting anybody's business yet? I'm trying to. Here's what the Word of God wants us to see, and I really believe this. It's so important. You know, we build our own plans. And listen, I know the world that we live in. You know, even when I was a kid, every, when I was a kid, everybody's talking about retirement. I mean, we've, we've got our children petrified in elementary school. Start planning for your retirement. What is that? Well, you're one day you're going to need it. Oh, what do I need? I don't even know if I need it. We have people. So we're all scared to death. We're all planning lives. We all live stressed out trying to plan for retirement. Now, am I against planning? Absolutely not. Am I against you being able to have money when you retire? Absolutely not. What I am asking you is where's your trust? Because here's what happens, guys. And I've met a lot of people who have done this, believe me. People and even ministers have done this 
they get so geared up to being able to leave something or take care of their family that everything they do, even in the name of Jesus, has nothing to do with Jesus. It's all about building a legacy or, or leaving a bunch of money in the bank or leaving a bunch of stuff. And, and they have a lot of stuff, but no influence. They have a lot of stuff, but no fruit. I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes when you're tied to the Holy Spirit, again, I'm, I'm using this analogy with David and Jerome a lot this morning, but believe me, even when Jerome finishes the race, he doesn't necessarily look around, wow, I can see. This is amazing. Thank God I listened to the Holy Spirit. No, he's got to do it every race, every practice, every day he gets up. It's a listen to the Holy Spirit. Now, we're blind to that because we have a tendency to want to listen to what we want. But I'm just encouraging you to trust the Holy Spirit. What would your life look like if you began to trust the Holy Spirit? Because he's our teacher. He guides. He directs. But pastor, nothing the Holy Spirit's ever told me ever makes sense. Well, I'd like to talk deeper about that with you. I'm not sure what you mean, but here's what I want to tell you. You may not be the most popular person in the room sometimes, because usually what the Holy Spirit is trying to do is to lead us in all truth, and as we're following Christ, if we start to veer off, and the world's veering off, and we don't veer off, they're like, where are you going? Why are you going that way? Oh, that's ridiculous. That's, that's where it starts. And then we're not popular anymore. Then we lose our friends. And then we, listen, I'm not here to bash your friends. I'm asking, who do you trust? We've got to trust the Holy Spirit. But secondly, we need to trust each other. If we truly are the body of Christ, and if Grace River really is going to do what God is calling Grace River to do, um, we're going to need each other. And don't get nervous. We've not spent a lot of money. We're not getting ready to take up an offering. Um, here's what I do want to encourage you. Everything we're doing is going to have impact. But I promise you, um, you're going to look back at the next five, ten years of your life connected with this church, and you're going to say, wow. I I'm not talking about we're finally going to run a 1,000. I could honestly don't care about that. I'm not interested in knocking out walls so we can have attendance records. I'm more encouraged about meeting people who are broken and have salvation and healings and people who are set free and whose lives are full and vibrant and families are changed and not just here on Sundays but on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and lives, people aren't walking in hopelessness but now there's an energy in their life even when they're at work. And not because all the circumstances have changed on the outside but something's changed on the inside and they're listening to a, another voice. Am I making sense? One of the things the Lord is leading us into that is going to take all of us, by the way, <laughs> don't get nervous. Um, throughout COVID, and I've already mentioned this briefly, but throughout COVID, um, just some wrestling in my spirit, but as we were entering into even this year and up to about four months ago, um, the idea of transitioning and having a school here. And, and the vision of what that could be. And my first prayer was this. Lord, please send people to tell me that's stupid. 
It's the worst idea I've ever heard of. Don't do this. The problem is, I, every time, everybody, and I didn't sit down with just anybody, and, and if I've not sat down with you, don't be offended. I didn't sit down with anybody because a lot of people may not really understand what's involved. So I was sitting down with business leaders and other ministers and saying, listen, man, here's where I am. Here's what I'm feeling. Uh, you know, I've got a building. I've got these ministries. I've got these other ministries I have access to. And, and there's kids here. We can move the grades here. We can, and they're, everyone I've talked to, oh, my. That's incredible, brother. You need to press into that. And even close friends, that, you know, I could tell, even if they were trying to say, you've lost your mind. They were like, well, yeah, good luck with that one. But here's what's been my amazement. And, and my wife and some of the staff can, can testify to this. How many times God has confirmed his, his call on this week after week after week after conversation after, and not somebody saying, oh, this is a great idea. Just God proving himself in other ways. I promised my staff I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to share it. Because <laughs> I'm not good at promises sometimes. I'm sorry. Because um, I just don't want everybody to think I've lost my mind. Which that's usually a, a bygone conclusion, I know. But <laughs> very, very few times besides what I feel prophetically preaching very few times have I started calling people out prophetically. God's just never used me in that. Very few times has that ever happened. Um, but God's been showing me, and that's why I said a moment ago, it's not about you. God has been showing me that I'm going to prove to you that I can do what I tell you I'm going to do through you, but I need to humble you so you can realize it's not about you. So I'm not trying to punish you. I'm trying to prepare you. But I can only really use you when you are moldable in my hands. And, and then I can, I can use you. And you, you might not get the credit. Nobody may know your name. But you'll be shocked at what happens in the kingdom. And so humbly I've been like, okay, God, here I am. What does that mean? And I'm thinking of him starting to do ministries in the church or whatever. Here's how it's been happening. I'll be in Walgreens, and God will just say, tell that person God loves them. You know, I'll start a school, Lord. I, I get the hint. I'll do whatever you say. But that's what I'm telling you. That's, I just told you to do something. Now, this may seem so odd to you, but here's the problem. I'm standing in a long line at Walgreens, because Walgreens always has short lines in the pharmacy. Long line in the pharmacy line at Walgreens. And this guy's leaning. He's ticked off. He's leaning, waiting on a COVID shot. And a lot of men standing around. And he's a brother. And I'm like, I can't, Lord. So I slip over to him. And the, the, the other mistake is when you try to whisper God's message. Because it never sounds like, brother, God loves you. It sounds more like, brother, I love you. Yeah. 
Um, so I just made sure it was loud enough he could understand. I just want to tell you that God loves you. Now, he just looked at me like, thanks, man. You know, just sort of like you would look at somebody if they just walked up to you and you didn't know them at all. I'm not encouraging you to do that unless God tells you to. But I stepped back in line, and there was a Hispanic gentleman behind me, and he just punched me in the back of the chest or back of the shoulder, and he said, hey, man, that was awesome, brother. You see, he doesn't know I'm a pastor. I don't tell people that typically because everybody just sort of clamps down. But he said, man, that was awesome. And, and I, don't, I don't know how to explain it except for the whole ambiance of the, the line changed. Because then every person that left the, the counter, everybody started fist pumping each other on the way out of the store. Because there's something different when a room gets filled with the Spirit of God. See, God could care less if we're spiritual here. Will you obey him in Walgreens? Because then the Lord turned right around and, and just a, a, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, I'm, I'm standing in my front yard because the guy's delivering something to the house. And as he's delivering it to the house, God says, tell him that you see me all over him. And I'm like, Lord, I just want it delivered. He's a delivery man. Just let him do his job, Lord, please. Let that give you glory. Now, see, right now, I'm, I'm telling you as I'm trying to be transparent because it would be great if we were always operating at a level that when God speaks, hey, brother, God's all over you. I believe you could get there, but I believe you could get corny if you're not careful because God's not trying to get you to the place where, look at me, I got a word for everybody. He's trying to make sure you stay humble before him and when you speak, those words matter. So, man, I was, I was just painfully suppressing myself. He unloaded the stuff. He pulled the dolly back. And I was walking to the truck. And I said, hey, before you go, I just want to tell you something. I know this may sound weird, man. But I see God all over you. And he just was like, are you serious? My grandmother raised me in church, but I've been away from church for so long. And man, for you to tell me that, because COVID has wreaked havoc in my life. COVID has just wreaked havoc in my life. And I've been saying, man, I need to get back in church. I, I need to get my life back together again. And for you to tell me that, you don't even know what that does to me. I don't. I don't I'm standing there just saying, I, can't, I told you, please leave. Because that's the other part of it, too. I mean, I'm just being transparent. I, I know when I preach and I bring God's word here, believe me, I'm, I'm humbly, God's using this vessel, and it's humble, it's broken at times, but it's the spirit of God. But when we're out there, I don't like to talk to people as much as people think I do. I'm nervous. So here's, you know, he leaves, he's feeling good. The Walgreens things happen. But even, and I'm not trying to make anybody nervous when I say this, but even last Sunday. Um, Alvin, I hope I don't embarrass you, brother, but Alvin has been coming to the church now for about 
four or five weeks, Alvin's going through some serious stuff. His 16-year-old son has cancer. And as we were closing the service last week, I was asking if there's anybody here who just wants to be restored. And God spoke to my spirit as sure as I'm talking to you right now and said, you will call Alvin down for prayer. I said, yes, sir. So two things, full transparency. I leaned over to make sure I had Alvin's name correctly pronounced, and I asked Nick, how do you say that again? Alvin. I came back up, and when I asked for folks to come down, Alvin was the first one. And here's what the Lord showed me. If you'll just be faithful, I've already got the answer coming. You're afraid you have to produce the answer. All you have to do is be faithful. I've already, Alvin was coming whether I called him or not. God was just trying to see if I'll be faithful. Now, see, this is where it gets a little weird because now everybody's going to walk around. All right, Lord, if this is you, I'll do it. You're supposed to buy a dog. No, that's not prophetic. Especially if it's a cat. That's never prophetic. Here's what I am saying. Um, if God's speaking to you to speak into someone, to encourage them, to let them know that God is at work in their life, to remind them that God is. Now, why am I even saying that? Because that's the kind of, that's the kind of walk that I've been going through about starting a school. And that sounds pretty weak, but here's what God is saying. The school's never going to be successful because of what you can do. The school's not even going to be successful because the public schools are struggling with morality, struggling with what they teach, the government's involvement. I'm not anti-government. I'm not anti-anything. I'm pro-Jesus Christ. And we're going to teach Jesus Christ in the power of his Holy Spirit. But John, it's not going to be because of, of you, our great people. I'm going to surround you with people who can get the job done, but it will be because you simply listen. So you better tie yourself to me. There cannot be one more race you run without listening to every voice. And see, I, I would love for you to think that I've always done that. But I promise you it's easy to run this race and be running in directions you never thought you'd run before. But then I know it's important to tie myself to brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need each other, guys. We're the body of Christ. Am I making sense? So trust the Holy Spirit. Trust each other. And lastly, trust your destination. When David is running, Rome just starts saying, bear down. Bear down. That tells David a couple of things. Man, in 10 steps, this road, this road is over. You will have arrived. So you give it all you've got. Now, he's given it all he's got thus far, right? You saw the race. And I hope you go back and look at it. It's on, it's on YouTube. Um, but when he starts saying bear down, it's because he's knowing he's coming to a destination that he's been led to the whole time. He's not getting there by accident. He's not getting there by sheer, uh, you know, it, some of us, you know, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic when I say this. Some of us, what happens in our lives, it took a miracle. Because we were sort of, so far off track for us to really get back where God, it sort of took a miracle. But the destination that he and I are running together, it, it won't take a miracle. It'll just take me being obedient. 
I trust him. I listen to him. I hope I'm making sense this morning. I trust him. I listen to him. I'm tied to him. I'm tied to the body. And listen, that's when you can run as fast as you can and not worry about circumstances. Not worry about, well, what if this doesn't work out? You know what I found out about what if it doesn't work out? You'll never know if you don't try. What if it does? Um, I'm not saying that, wow, that was a great service. I'm going to tie myself to the Holy Spirit and tie myself to the body, and I'm never going to have another problem. No, there's training. There's times when we trip and fall. And, and the track analogy works great here, right? Um, th- there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this training, but it's all because we can trust that where he's leading us, we're going to get there. Now, that, that includes a couple of things right now, and I'm closing. What is our destination? Well, what is God calling you to? I, I first want to say it needs to be a part of the body of Christ. And I know there are many out there that are thinking, well, you know, I am a, I'm a Christian. I'm a part of the body of Christ. No, you need to get locked and loaded in a local church. There's, there's an intense necessity to get locked and loaded at a local church. Accountability. Um, staying focused on the right things. But having people around you constantly that can come up and tell you, listen, Pastor John, you know, I'm going through this, or I'm going through that, or can I tell you something about you? And I, I'm probably really taking my liberties this morning when I say this, but even, you know, Dr. Bucci and I have a powerful relationship. He's got such a unique personality and, and humor. But he knows how to approach me and say, hey, it's not working. Or, hey, John, listen, I'm praying for you. you know, and I'm putting words in his mouth now, but I'm praying for you, John, but you're losing your mind. You know, let, let's talk. You know, now why do I listen to that? Why do I even, because see, a lot of people be like, who are you? No, listen, first of all, I respect who he is. But secondly, we've been walking in relationship long enough that I want to hear what he's got to say. Because when we sit down, if he were to tell me, John, you're in trouble, I'm listening. If he were to tell me, John, you're, you're, you're not there, and please, Dr. Bucci, I hope I'm not overstepping. In other words, where we're a part of the body, we can trust each other. Nobody's beating each other up. If somebody says, hey, um, if, if, if a young lady in the church and an elderly lady approaches her and says, hey, sweetheart, can, can we talk? Because modesty is brought up in the Bible. Don't get bent out of shape. Get modest. I'll say that again. Don't get bent out of shape. It's modesty. That's the focus. If, if you approach somebody, but it's not out of love, and someone says, hey, listen, that wasn't the right, that was not the right way to do it. Don't get bent out of shape. Humble. I just wonder, I wonder what people would see if they saw a church that dropped all the facade, and what they saw was Jesus. Um, so what are you called to? Local church? What has God put in your life? A family? A, a, a place to, to work? And 
Right now in your mind, you're thinking, I'm just earning it. That's just the way I'm bringing, I'm just paying bills right now. Well, pay bills, but while you're running that part of the race, what if you just tied yourself to the Holy Spirit and you were the greatest person at that place? Not because you tried to be, but it was amazing how you listened to the Holy Spirit and you crossed the finish line first every time. And people were saying, man, they don't, even like, they don't seem to like this job, but they're the best one here. Am I making sense? Um, no matter where, some of you are in transition this week. Tie yourself to the Holy Spirit. Listen to his every voice. What is God saying? And most of us, we already know the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with us on stuff anyway. Right? So a, a lot of it would be simple, as simple as, Father, here I am. Please continue that work. Because it is he that begins that work in us. Now, what does the writer of Hebrews tell us in chapter 12? And we're closing. As a matter of fact, if you'll stand, I'll close. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, <laughs> if you read Hebrews, he takes us back and walks us through the Old Testament of how that they did not receive, they did not see everything they were promised they would see. You and I have the benefit of looking back. But here's, here's what he's saying, and I love this Olympian analogy here because just picture in your mind, and that's one thing about the Olympics this year that blows my mind. It's hard to be your best when no one's watching. Now, they're there, they're focused in, and we know that it's not about if the world's watching, but can I tell you who is? Every, it's like Paul is saying, listen, everyone who was fighting for the same thing you're fighting for is watching you. Everyone who is running this race that you're running right now, they've made it. Now they're watching you. So, so therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, lay aside the weight and the sin that weighs you down. Are you carrying stuff today? Let, lay it down. I got to lay down stuff every day. Lay it down. And then he said, and run with endurance the race that is set before you, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Pastor, I thought you said we were blind. No, listen, there's something about faith that makes you blind to the things you should not see and very much of alive to the things you should. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Run that race. Jesus is the focus. We already know we win. So run as fast as you can. Live life. You ever heard the phrase, um, live life like Jesus was coming tonight, but plan like he may not come 100 years? That doesn't mean slack off on your work. That means every day. Every day, give it 100%. Am I making sense? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that right now in your name, that you would just show us, Lord, those ways in our lives that we've been running or attempting to run or attempting to make headway. And the reason it's not working is, is very simple. We've not surrendered to you. 
So this morning, in the name of Jesus, it's not about getting our way. It's following you. Lord, we just lay our lives down afresh and anew. Lord, to every believer here, Lord, I challenge them right now in the name of Jesus. Who are they listening to? Who are they trusting? Holy Spirit, we tie ourselves to you. We know that God has sent you, and we know that you already lead, guide, direct, teach, comfort. You come alongside. And just like this powerful illustration this morning, Lord, (laughs) we're never running alone. You're right there with us. But Lord, I also pray for the body. I pray for my brothers and sisters that we realize that we do have each other. And we must operate as the body. Lord, because we do have a destination. And Lord, while we're here, that destination can be seen in just being great dads, in being great mothers, in being great fathers, in being great marriages. Lord, it it doesn't mean there's not going to be failure. What it does mean is from this day forward, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. From this day forward, we're building for each other, for the kingdom, not against each other. It may mean businesses, Lord, but it is businesses to glorify you. It may mean churches, it may mean schools, it may mean a lot of things, but you do it not for our glory, but for yours. Because, Lord, there is a destination. And, Lord, when all that stuff is gone, we'll stand before you. (laughs) Lord, and when we see you face to face, it'll be worth it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Okay, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Nick, come over here. Um, I think it's important for us to hold up Pastor John. Um, I don't know what you know about what's going on in the church. He's had several people around him who've been in leadership roles, and some of them have been inconsistent or are not part of that anymore. He's carrying a lot of this on his own. This is something that he has on his heart, and um, he is asking for advice from people because he wants to make sure that he's following the Lord, and I can't tell you I was that encouraging. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't. Um, But if this is what God has for him, then we need to hold him up in prayer, and he's kind of walking this alone. He needs to be surrounded with people who can help him and support him Uh, to take the burden off of him. So let's pray for Pastor John right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, just bless my brother. Just have your hand upon him. He really believes that this is you, and you have begun to reinforce his desire, this vision with people coming forward and resources, and it's it's just amazing. But I just pray you uphold him like Aaron and her. We uphold uh, his arms uh, as as he fights this battle, O oh God. And I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that any resource that he needs, anything that's lacking or the people that you would have to be part of this, that you would surround him with those people. And all these things that he desires would happen. It's just a pure desire on his part. There's no self-interest. I just have heard his heart, and I know this is something he desires to do to serve you, God, and because people are, are hungry. They're, they're, they're worried about their kids. They're worried about their future, and you've laid this on him. So empower him. Give him the strength for the vision and the support that he needs. Help us to remember to uphold him in prayer each and every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Bless you. Thank you, brother. Amen.
love you, Joe. God bless you. You are dismissed. Uh, before you leave, make sure you hug at least 20 people or at least high five somebody. Amen. This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.